welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 140 and a half. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee. well, he's not with me, unfortunately. We, of course, stayed home in Las Vegas this week. We did not uh, make the trip up to Detroit for UFC 218. Matt Erickson and Mike Bond handled that. Me and Cole Coffey handled the Ultimate Fighter 26 finale and uh, stayed home. So I'm actually working from home right now, and so is he. But he's actually still helping out. He's helping the boys up from uh, in Detroit finish up all the coverage and the video processing and all that fun stuff that happens behind the scenes when the fights are over. But uh, me, I just had to pick up the microphone and start talking about a great weekend of fights, man. This was a phenomenal back-to-back set of offerings from the UFC. Hopefully, you caught both cards because I, I, I had a great time with the Ultimate Fire 26 finale, not going to lie. I, I wanted to... I was so excited last night. I wanted to get together and and, and, and do a little post-fight show there, but I thought, man, that's just too much content, man. I can't be throwing throwing that much stuff down people's throats, asking them to, to to listen to it all. So I said, you know what? We'll just wait till after UFC 218, and we'll do it then. And what a great card this was. I mean, I know this is going to be the one that, that that steals the headlines because this was the big show. This was the one that everybody wanted to see. And man, you know what? I I, th- I thought it lived up to the hype. I was thoroughly entertained by UFC 218. Um, a, a lot of you know, a lot of big fights start to finish, and a lot of exciting results start to finish. And uh, man, I thought it lived up to the hype. You know, we said in the, going in, could this be bigger than 217? Uh, it it wasn't, and you know, maybe it was because the Cejudo Pettis fight kind of was that little pause right in the middle of everything. But it, you know, it just didn't get quite that same momentum. And of course, then you know, you add the the whole Madison Square Garden and the fact that you're three championship fights. So it's not one of those that it. it just you know, you're talking about best ever, but it was, it was a hell of a card, and it was topped off by Max Holloway picking up a uh, another win over Jose Aldo, a third round TKO to defend his UFC featherweight title. Thought Max Holloway looked phenomenal, man. The guy at such a young age just seems to get better and better every single time he goes out there. And uh, let's tap the brakes. I know Joe Rogan was out there saying, hey, you know, he needs to be in that best ever discussion. I love the fact that Max Holloway is humble enough to say, no, 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 way too early for that, way too early for that. I got a long way to go before I get there. Um, but he's definitely the best right now, man. This guy is just firing on all cylinders, and he, and he is fun to watch. You know, I thought Jose Aldo came into this fight prepared. He looked good. I mean, he looked physically good. Those weight cuts – for Aldo, I, you know, they they definitely get to him, but I don't know. I guess I'm just so used to seeing it, man. He 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 has looked so bad throughout his career on the scale, and then come back the next night um, and put on good performances. So it, it didn't overly concern me, although maybe it should going forward, and we'll talk about that. But Max Holloway just looked phenomenal to me. I mean, played out very much like the first fight, right? Um, competitive early on. I actually had this fight. Uh, even going into the third round, but then that's when Holloway just started to pull away. You could see Aldo starting to tire. I mean, you really could. The mouth was wide open. And I don't know what it is. You know, I don't know if he's got some overriding health concern or it's just age, it's just wear and tear on the body, but he just seems to tire a little bit quicker than he should. Now, a couple things I do have questions about with Jose Aldo, the leg kicks. Where were the leg kicks? I I saw a couple of them. I thought we'd see a lot of them. They were effective when he was throwing them. I mean, Holloway does a great job of kind of absorbing damage and not really showing anything from it. He showed up to the press conference with some wear and tear on his face. But as he's taking the damage, he doesn't really seem to, to show anything. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's just a great poker face or he just doesn't feel it. Um, but, but, but you know, some of the stuff that 
Aldo was doing was effective. I thought the punches that he was throwing were powerful, and he was landing some of them. Yes, Holloway was slipping quite a few of them. He's great uh, defensive. His head movement, it's it's fantastic. And he was avoiding a lot of the blows, but he was taking some damage along the way too. And then again, the leg kicks. The leg kicks were working, but Aldo, I thought, went to him far too late. I thought these things should have been firing for a moment one. I mean, this is his signature weapon, right? I mean, this is the thing that he's known for. This is what makes him Jose Aldo. Why was it not there from the beginning? I don't get it. You know, the first time they fought, his camp came out afterwards and said, listen, you know, Aldo was dealing. He doesn't want to talk about it, but he was dealing with some injuries, and that's why he didn't throw the low kicks. Okay, all right, fair enough. Thank you. Appreciate you telling me that. I know Aldo's not making excuses. It's coming from his camp. Cool. Well, then what was it tonight? What was it tonight? Why was the leg kick not a, a, a chief weapon early on? I just I don't know if I'll ever understand that. And, you know, with this result, if Aldo's going to stay in the featherweight division, uh, he's got some people that he can't fight. I mean, there's just nothing compelling about these guys fighting a third time, especially, you know, not for a long time. If You, you know, I think we're all pretty sure that Conor McGregor's never coming back to the featherweight division, but, you know, Conor doesn't want to fight him again just because he's like, dude, I start you in 13 seconds. But Max Holloway is, is thoroughly beating him twice. And, and I know Max, and I love Max's attitude where he says, you know, listen, I'll beat you once and I'll beat you twice. And if you're lucky, I'll beat you a third time. But I, I just don't know why this fight would be compelling a third time. So I, uh, I'm i confused by that. But all credit to Holloway. The guy is a machine, man. He just seems to get stronger as the fight wears on. It just seems to get better as the fight wears on. I thought he was cautious early, but smartly cautious. You know, not, uh, you know, no, no discredit to what he was doing. I thought he, he thought of a very smart fight. And then just a, a thorough finish at the end. He's saying, listen, I, I, I want to fight my next fight in Hawaii. I'm becoming a star. I think he is becoming a star. You know, looking at our web traffic and thing, the things that I can look at uh, to, to, to see, you know, kind of what interest there is, I do think he's becoming a star. And I know that if he went to Hawaii, I mean, surely you saw the footage of his championship welcome. I mean, I know it's scary out there. It's, it's You either got to do Aloha Stadium and do it outdoors which scares the heck out of Dana White, or you got to do Blaisdell Arena, which is a very a small arena by UFC standards. So, uh, you know, I think they'd be afraid to put on, you know, a big kind of pay-per-view type fight um, in an arena like that. They'd, they'd want to do the stadium, but now you got to do it outdoors. But come on, man, you can build something where the, 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 the cage is covered and maybe if the fans get a, a quick shower or rain on, I mean, come on, they're Islanders, right? They're used to it. So um, there is other things. There's there's tax issues and things. I mean, it's, that's not the only reason. There's logistical issues and there's things like that that make it difficult. But I don't know, man. You're, you're getting a, a, you know, a nice little culture of Hawaiian fighters again. You know, it's always been known as a fighting culture and, and, and they're, they're, they're arriving in the UFC right now. And, and I think they would, you know, love to host an event out there. And, and, and Max Holloway is becoming... An absolute star. Um, and it's just so young. So, so young. It's, it's incredible. And, and the other thing, too, I, I love is that the confidence that he has is real. It's true self-belief. And I love, too, that Conor McGregor's get, name gets brought up over and over. And, you know, he's not trying to attach himself to that. And he's like, dude, if, if you know, if it happens, yeah, sure, fine. But, I mean, this guy's out here talking about fighting MMA against Pauly Malignaggi. I mean, that's... That's some that's some next level shade right there. I just I love everything that Max Holloway is doing. I love the attitude that he brings to the cage. I love his fighting style. And uh, if you're not a Max Holloway fan, I don't know what the hell is wrong with you because there is is not a nicer guy on the planet. And 
his fighting style is just fun to watch. Now, what should come next for Max Holloway? To me, it's got to be Frankie Yeager. It's got to be Frankie Yeager. And I'm a little frustrated because, you know, Dana White at the post-fight press conference tonight, he's he's non-committal to it. And I get it. Um, he always says that, you know, I don't like to match make um, on fight night. But, hell, we know Ninganu is, is facing Steve Bamiocic. So why can't we know that Frankie Yeager, who was injured, is is going to get the next shot? I mean, it's fair – if it's a broken orbital, um, which you know, it's, it's, we know it's a facial thing. I mean, I think at this point, it's, it's basically confirmed it's a broken orbital, right? Um, that does take time to heal, and you know, maybe Dane is a little angry that he had to switch things up. You know, if if you caught that part of the interview from from Dane at the UFC offices earlier this week, you know, he did kind of say, you know, why the hell is somebody punching Frank Yeager so hard in training that his his orbital is getting broken? So maybe there's some frustration there. I don't know, but to me. That's the fight to make. Um, yes, we're going to have a great featherweight fight uh, next week in Fresno. I'll be out there uh, on Wednesday next week to get ready for Brian Ortega and Cub Swanson. And listen, those guys are two studs that, uh, you know, Cub Swanson been in the rankings forever. And Brian Ortega is somebody that's, that's uh, is fun to watch fight as well. And he's making his way up the rankings slowly but surely as well. Ricardo Lamas is out there. Uh, you know, he's got that replacement fight December 16th, so that's two weeks from now. You know, he was trying to get some conversations about, you know, replacement here. So, yes, there there are potentially other people, but I, I don't know, man. I, to me, it's Frankie Edgar. You know, to me, it's Frankie Edgar. That's the fight I want to see. And, uh, you know, assuming there's not, you know, if the guy's not going to be out six months, eight months, whatever, then, yeah, if, if that's going to be the case, then then you got to find another option. Um but to me, I think that's the fight you got to make. Now, the real question to me, Jose Aldo, what comes next with him, right? He's not getting a shot at the title, at least not as long as Max Holloway's around. He's 31. Crazy thing, that's not old. A lot of people are, you know, still very much in their prime at 31. And I'm not, I'm not saying that he's slipping, but it doesn't look good, right? I mean, this is not too good results for him. And it's not as if he was just caught by one shot. It's the fact that he was competitive and then he was thoroughly decimated. And so to me, you know, if you go out there, like, for instance, the Conor McGregor fight when he starched in 13 seconds, right? Great for Conor McGregor. That's a, that's amazing accomplishment, right? But to me, it doesn't tell you that, and this guy's done. No, he, he got caught. It does happen in sport. He got caught. This is twice in a row where he was thoroughly beaten. Thoroughly beaten. So what comes next for him? I, I don't know. I don't know. He's always talked about moving up to uh, 155 pounds. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't think he's a big dude, man. There are some big dudes in that lightweight, lightweight division. I know the weight cut sucks for him, but there are some big, big dudes in the lightweight division. So, man, I don't know what the next move is. I, you know, you hate just, and I hate that, that one of the options is retire because it's not. I mean, he can still compete. He can still compete with a lot of people. But, you know, I have heard that he's pretty well off financially. That Apparently, from everybody that knows him, he lives an incredibly, incredibly common life. You know, he's not somebody that goes, he, he's a man of the people, and he, he grew up humble, and he stayed humble. So it's not like he's out there burning money and, and you know, living the Conor McGregor lifestyle, so to speak. He's, he's very conservative. So he doesn't have to fight. So does he want to? I don't know. I guess I guess we'll find that out soon enough. Uh, in the meantime, let's do this. Let's uh, let's hear a couple words from from the champ, Max Holloway. He had a couple of interesting things to say at the post fight press conference, and uh, man, 
he, he wants that fight in Hawaii really bad. Max, go with the red tie tonight. Lava, brother. I told you guys. UFC been trying to ice me. Toronto. Brazil is cold as shit, too. Here is cold as shit. They can't ice the Hawaiian, bro. So I had to bring the heat. This side is called lava. I mean, that, that fight seemed like it resembled the first one pretty similarly. I mean, back and forth, first two rounds, then you finish them off, I think, 30 seconds later uh -huh. in the third round and the last time. Uh, I know you said, you know, you see how it's going once you're in there, but mm -hmm. what did you just make of, you know, how the fight unfolded this time around? You know, you know, first things first, you know, I, I recently uh, heard about Aldo's, uh, his uh, motivation for his fight was his daughter. And, you know, me being a parent with my son, I get it. But, you know, that guy should, he should know, he, he doesn't have to owe anybody anything, you know. That guy's one of the greatest of all time. I think uh, Brazil should be building statues of that guy and all the favelas, man. He's a legend. He's a goat. And I got a lot to feel, so. But, you know, to your question, I, I told you guys before, there's a quote going around. I told you guys, if I beat you one time, the second time is going to be worse. And then the third time, you should rethink your life about accepting the fight, you know. But just joking, but it's, I, we knew it, you know. I, after the first round, I walked up to, to Joe Rogan and John Anik. I told him the guy's tired. He's tired already. In the third round, I dropped my hands. I was telling him to punch me. I was like, bro, this is where you punch me. Punch me in the face. I'm daring you. I was telling him, I dare you. I dare you punch me now. And, you know, it went well. Things went my way. I think so. I landed, um, he landed some shots. My shots just seemed to hurt him a little bit more. So everything went my, my night tonight, but... Like I said, the guy's a goat, man. You know, nothing but respect for him and his team and his family and all of Brazil. Yeah, and I know you said in the lead up to this fight too that no one has really stood with you for a full fight, and you guys were striking it out for a while. But the beginning of the end was him shooting for that takedown. Uh, so does that just further prove your point? Yeah, I told you guys, man. Uh, I'd be turning these strikers into wrestlers. You know, all these strikers think they're gonna strike with me. We're gonna do this and that, and they they end up trying to shoot on me, and. Um, and that's what happened, you know. I actually, uh, in the back, and one of my, uh, where's my friends, uh, my coaches, in the back, I was telling him, I was actually thinking of taking him down. He was so tired, and I wasn't landing punches. I was like, I should take him down and ground upon. And I was like, wait, I tease people who do that. Yeah, let's not do it. <laughs> so I, I ended up punching, ended up falling, and we ended up getting the finish. So, so it was great. There you go. And last thing for me, um, you're on a 12-fight winning streak now. I think it's the fourth longest in UFC history. You turned 26 on Monday. Happy early birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Um, how far can you take this thing? What's kind of the, the end goal here of just how long this run can really go? Uh, we see, you know, medically, I, uh, the, only the only thing that's going to stop me is medically. If, if I medically can't make the weight, I'm not gonna, then I'm not going to force my body to do something that it doesn't want to, you know. I'll gladly go up to 55. You know, I was talking to Michael Bisbing them on the show. You know, Michael was like, oh, can we see you a future champion? I was like, Michael. You know, he calls me Maxi Baby. I was like, Michael, you're, you're cutting Maxi Baby short. Us Hawaiians, I'm Hawaiian Samoan. I love to eat. I'm going to go for four titles. You know, 170, 155, 170, 185. They all can get. I might even be at heavyweight one day. I don't know. You guys You guys know our eating habits is bad down in Hawaii. So, you know, your boy might get big and we might, we might make history. Uh, Max, congratulations, of course, on the victory. Um, I asked you this before the fight, but now that it's all over, I mean, what does it mean for your legacy that you now hold two wins 
over Jose Aldo. No one has ever done that, much less beat him back-to-back, obviously. But, I mean, where does this rank? I mean, how big is this for your legacy that you did beat him a second time? This is huge, you know. This is huge. Like I said, you know, they, people ask me what that makes me. That makes me a guy with two wins over Aldo, and I got a bunch catch, uh, I got a bunch more to catch up to him. You know, he, he uh, he's the greatest of all time. He got, uh, what, seven, eight? Eight uh, title defensive. I gotta catch up, you know. That that's numbers don't lie, you know. Women lie, men lie. Numbers don't lie. I only got one defense. I got a bunch of c- catching up to do. He stood the goat, and I respect him. And I'm coming for that record, though. The last time you won, you said you know your kind of post fight demand was you know you had to sit down with the UFC, you know get your contract sorted out. Now that's sorted out. Uh-huh. So this time, are you gonna sit down and demand that UFC in Hawaii card? Is that your demand this time? Yeah, you know I'm the, I saw Dana. I was talking to him. You know I I told him he said hey, you know you know I, maybe I gotta do it. Maybe I do it outside and uh, and just suck it up. I was like yeah, don't be scared, homie. Stop being scared. I was about to ask him if I could Hawaiian slap him. You know you guys saw it in the first Aldo fight, but. I'm just joking. I I think so. The fight's gotta happen. We got a champion. We're gonna have a ranked guy, and another you know another Hawaiian. Things didn't go her way on this card, but she's a Hawaiian. Uh, Rachel just won the the other fight. We got all kind of guys ready for my team, ready to go. We got guys signed. Uh, Dan Ige, Boston Solomon from Waianae, and uh, I think so. We got like nine or ten guys. Nine or ten guys in Hawaii from the state of Hawaii. Wait, Brad Tavares, you know, willing to fight. We let's do the whole UFC Hawaii, Hawaii versus the world. Anybody can get it, featuring Max Holloway. <laughs> I know that uh, you know it was you know you roll with the punches when the change in the fight happened when it went from Frankie to, to Aldo. You never blinked, you never cared. Uh, but do you feel like you do have any unfinished business with Edgar because you didn't get to fight him? I mean, is that is that kind of the next logical fight just because he's right there and and you've kind of cleared out most of the other contenders right now? You know. Like I said, I've been telling you guys all week the same thing. It's the cupcakes. These guys is cupcakes. I, I, I want the new flavor. I want to I want to know how the new flavor tastes like. But I know how the old ones taste, so it's great. I'm fine with anything. I'll fight them all. They're all going to take L's, like I said. By the time I'm done with this division, when you look at the top 15, everybody's going to have an L next to their name, some guys too. And if you're lucky, you're going to have three. And this may not be next, but I asked Dana about this, so I'll ask you. I know it's something that's on your mind. Talk about, you know, an old flavor. Conor McGregor's out there. You got 12 wins in a row. You've beaten pretty much every featherweight contender, you know, between this this win streak. And if you beat Frankie, I don't really know. Maybe Brian Ortega if he wins. Uh, is that Conor fight? That would feel like a super fight if he's champion. You're champion. I mean, does it feel like at some point that's some unfinished business you're going to have to to have? Yeah, for sure. Like I said, I'm a champion of my division. And I gotta take it, I gotta keep everything rolling, you know. I gotta keep everything going. I gotta throw him to defend. I'm not gonna go into hiatus. And uh, you know, as long as I get contenders, I'm gonna fight. But if you see call me out for that reason, any any reason of fighting him, I gladly fight him. If if the Connor fight don't happen, it's not on my side. I tell you guys right now, it's not on my side. It's on their team. Their team talking about me all the time. They tell me how I'm the best guy in the world and blah blah, blah this and that. Right now. Connor, like, really think about this. Right now, Connor is talking about fighting Pauly Malignaggi in MMA. Let, just let that sink in, you know? Pauly Malignaggi in MMA, I'm, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say after that. Uh, Max, congratulations back here. Thank you, brother. Um, a guy you haven't really matched up with is Cub Swanson. I know that was a thought process uh-huh. before was Frankie or Cub. Uh-huh. It became Frankie, then it turned into Jose. If Cub wins his next fight, is would that be a lane you'd like to you know look at maybe and venture towards? Uh, 
Like I said, we see. I ain't no matchmaker. Uh, I'm a fighter. I'm, a, I'm the king of the division. All these guys can bang. Like, people's like, call out this guy. Call out that guy. Why? I got the belt. I'm not a contender anymore. I'm the champion. I'm sitting top of... I'm sitting pretty. You know, I'm hungry. And uh, if they want to fight, that's the fight UFC makes. The UFC makes it. I don't care. I, I take that fight with open arms. Hey, Max, right here. Uh, how much credit does this uh, win go to the people around you, your manager, you know, working with Tyler Minton this time around? It seems like you have a really good support system, and I know they've, they've really sort of helped you, you know, uh, get to this point. Tyler Minton? Fuck that guy. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I love that guy, man. He's, uh, uh, he, was my, he was feeding me great. You know, everybody was talking about the cut and whatever and this and that and being like, oh, he bring out the towel and blah, blah, blah. I'm like... I bring out the towel because when I check my weight, I check my weight without underwear on. Why am I going to cut an extra half pound to wear an underwear to a weigh and Just bring out the damn towel, you know what I mean? That's extra work. And uh, Tyler made me eat. When I was fighting Pettis last year, I, during Thanksgiving, I had a gallon of water all day. I had four meals with Tyler Mitten here for this fight, you know, on, on Thanksgiving. So I, I was blessed with him, you know. My coaches, my coaches, my staff... My management, you know, Gracie Technics, Legacy Muay Thai, Tactical Strain and Conditioning, uh, Sucker Punch Entertainment. I got, I got some of the best guys behind me, man. And uh, a lot of success is with them, you know. They're, they're, they're the guys working behind. I'm just the product. I'm the product that's getting shown to the world, you know. They're the ones that, that's, they're, they're the guys underneath the hood fixing everything and getting me ready to go. How much did this uh, cut compared to some of your other fights? Because, again, you know, uh, the difference in this fight for sure was the fact you had a lot more energy, a yeah. lot more cardio. Best I ever felt. That's how I said. Best I ever felt. Everybody was like, oh, you sound this and that. You know, that's what happens when you cut weight. Your, your throat is dry. You know, I don't know. That's, that's what happened to me. But I was fine. My energy was fine. Everything was great. You know, everybody's like, you look distraught on top of the stuff. I look, the reason why I look distraught on top of the, uh, the scale is because when I was c c covering it and I saw on the towel in front of the stuff and you had to be the scale, I was like, me knowing Gaethje... There's only one way the towel's going, up and down. That's why I had to be covering the Hawaiian snake, and I was ready. That's why I was distraught, guys, because I already know he was going up and down. And, and, you know, there's no other way to do it. So he was the man. He was thinking of me. He wanted me to get my drinks in faster. So shout out to Justin Gaethje, and uh, he's the man. Gotta love it. Max Holloway just rolls in there with a mouthful of cheesy bread just getting on the mic. <laughs> How great is this guy, right? Oh, man. What, what a champ. Marketable guy, man. I'm telling you, just so much personality there. It's been amazing how we've watched this guy grow up right in front of us. Uh, it just, you know, truly physically grow up uh, and, and, and just his confidence grow and his, his persona grow uh, as he's become this amazing champion. Still not the best ever. I still say Jose Aldo is the best featherweight of all time. He's just not the best featherweight right now. But I'll tell you what, Max Holloway keeps performing like that. He'll, he'll be doing that. You know what uh, we really need to talk about is what – what Max Holloway should have been eating when he came. He shouldn't have been eating that cheesy bread. He should have been having some freshly. You know what I'm saying? He could have had freshly delivered right there to the arena. That way he could have just popped it in the microwave. <laughs> nah, listen. A big shout out to Freshly. They're uh, staying with us as a partner. We, we love that and we appreciate that. By now, hopefully you know that uh, Freshly is a weekly prepared meal service that delivers fresh, never frozen meals cooked by chefs to your door. They're fully cooked, so all you have to do is heat them up. Each meal is ready to eat in only three minutes. They have more than 30 different weekly options to choose from. So no more worrying about what's for dinner. No shopping, no chopping, no cleanup. 
It's that simple. The meals are delivered fresh and cooked by chefs just for you. You can skip the grocery shopping, meal prepping, and cooking. Chef-cooked meals delivered fresh, never frozen, made with all natural ingredients. And, uh, yeah, somebody hit me up on Twitter the other day and said, John, quit doing the freshly reads for so long, man. Quit talking about it. So I apologize. I will, I will cut it down tonight on this post-fight show. I just get excited about a product, and I'm happy that they're supporting us. But more than that, I get excited. I want people to know that I believe in it, and uh, I believe in it. Just got my delivery today for this week, and I'm set up. Dude, I love it. No more cooking, no cleaning, no nothing. I just eat, and I'm done. So, uh, listen, try Freshly. If you're thinking about it, do it. Pull the trigger on it. Go to Freshly.com. Use the code ROADSHOW. You get $40 off your first two weeks delivery. That's $20 off each week. Uh, yeah, get it done. Head to Freshly.com slash MMA Junkie or just enter the code ROADSHOW at checkout. Um, okay, listen. Heavyweight fight. The one that I think a lot of people, well, I say the one. There were a couple that everybody was looking forward to, right? But I think this was one that everybody was looking forward to. And my God, did Francis Ngannou deliver, man. Uh, listen, I've been saying all along, I, I, I think th- from, from the moment we first saw him, that this guy looked like the real deal. The raw tools were there. And man, is he developing. He came out there and just devastated Alistair Overeem with one of the most brutal knockouts you're ever going to see. Just clean counter left hand, and uh, that's all she wrote. He did jump on top with an extra hammer fist. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't fault him for that. Heat of the moment. Um, you know, it was pretty quick afterwards. Uh, the referee had not stepped in yet. So, you know, I saw some people saying, come on, man, that wasn't necessary. I, I got to say, I, I got no problem. You got two big, massive dudes, the biggest moment of his career, uh, you, you can imagine that he was dialed in. You can imagine what he was focused on. I really have no problem with that extra punch uh, that, that Francis Ngannou threw. Hey, I'm kind of a Francis Ngannou homer. Uh, it's been a pleasure following his career up front since we first met him. Um, but I, I didn't have a problem with it. i got to be honest with you. What I am excited about now is this title fight with Stipe Miocic. We talked about it going in, and I am fired up for this fight. Listen, uh... Francis Ngannou, it's not as if th- that you know he's got this this amazing one punch knockout power that you know no no chin can resist, right? I mean, yes, he's coming off an incredible run of first round knockouts, but you know he's had some people there that are that have been able to take a few of his shots. If he lands clean, I mean, any heavyweight in the division, if they land flush and clean, there it's it's going to be lights out. All right. Um, but I, I do feel like he's developing, and, and I feel like he's getting better. And you hear about the strides and the gains that he's making physically um, working at the Performance Institute. I mean, literally, everybody will tell you he's basically living there, and, and good for him. I mean, dude, take this free training. Get the free food. Take advantage of everything that's available for you. And I, and I feel like he's only getting better, and I think that's what's been so intriguing about following his rise is that he's so raw. Now, he's not a kid. He's 31, but 31 in the heavyweight division isn't bad. You got guys in their 40s that are still competitive. So he's still got plenty of time on his hand. And again, I feel like he just came to the sport so raw that there's really plenty of time to see him develop. And I love this fight. I think it's a good fight. Uh, you know, Dana White broke it down a little bit, and I and I I, I kind of see it the way he does. Like, yes, Ninganu is a monster, but you know he might not be as fast as Stipe. He might be a little bit slower. 
Stipe does move. He's very mobile. He's very agile. He's very experienced. He's you know he's been fighting top level competition, obviously. You know, and and I don't want to take anything away from from this fight. I because again, I I'm I'm a Francis Ngannou homer, but I guess I'm trying to tap the brakes on anybody thinking like, dude, here's this unbeatable monster. Because you go in and do a fight like that, it does seem a little bit like, how the hell is anybody going to even compete with this guy? I think Stipe Miocic is a very competitive fight. I, I really do. And that's why I want to see it. Do I think Nagano has a chance to win? Hell yeah, I think he has a chance to win. But Stipe has shown a, a pretty impressive chin. And of course, he uh, has shown some pretty impressive knockout power as well. I love this fight. Sounds like it's going to happen sooner than later. Dana White, say, you know, saying earlier in the week it's going to happen. He's, he said it again tonight that it's going to happen. Uh, somebody brought up, hey, could it happen as soon as Boston? And Dana said, love that idea. That's not confirmation by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, he's saying I want it to happen sooner rather than later. Francis Nagano says, listen, I'm healthy. Everything is good. Let's get this done ASAP. I like that. Steve Miocic, of course, he feels the same way. How long has he been out? You know, he, he, he's, he's been out for a long time with these contract issues that are now apparently resolved. So you've got two willing combatants, and you've got a willing promoter. So I think we're going to see this fight sooner than later, and that makes me incredibly excited. I just can't imagine. I think it was Brett Akimoto. And he, and he talked about, you know, in the post-fight press conference, you know, is this kind of a special heavyweight fight? I think Dana, you know, it's kind of a, 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 an interesting way to ask the question, but I, but, I, but I agree. Like, this seems like quite possibly the biggest heavyweight title fight of all time. Like, just the way these guys fight, the way these guys move, um, the, the, the way they present themselves, they're, they're oh, my. This is going, I think it's going to be a huge, huge fight. These guys have incredible highlight reels that are going to get played over and over and over. Two true knockout artists coming into this fight. I think it's going to be phenomenal. Um, selfishly, I hope it doesn't happen in Boston because I'm not planning on going to Boston <laughs> with the way the travel schedule is set up right now. I think Matt Erickson, who lives in Chicago, and Ken Hathaway are probably going to be the ones out there covering that. So I guess selfishly, I, I hope it doesn't happen. But uh, just as a fan, yeah, man, I hope it happens sooner than rather than later because that was just – if if you weren't already a believer in Francis Nagano, hopefully he convinced you tonight because that was damn impressive. Perhaps maybe a little bit less impressive, but only in certain ways. Henry Cejudo did pick up a unanimous decision win over Sergio Pettis. Listen, I think this was impressive in a lot of ways. I mean, Henry Cejudo to, to dominate Sergio Pettis, a guy that was on the rise um, – and has been showing a lot of progress and, and still looks like somebody who's going to matter in the division for Cejudo to, to handle him as efficiently as he did, man. I, I think this was something special. This was a great performance. However, it was not the kind of performance that's going to give him a title shot. I know he wants you know a, a, another shot at the belt sometime down the road. Um, I don't think this is the one that's going to get it for him, and I think that's easy enough for everybody to see. The good thing is I think he understands it too. You know, He's, he's kind of said, listen, I'm not trying to rush into this. I, I – I, I want to take my time, and, 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 and I want to be a better fighter when I do finally get that opportunity. I want to make sure that I have the opportunity to win, you know, that I'm not just getting this this token shot, so to speak, that I really have an opportunity to win. And I think Henry Cejudo is somebody that's still developing as a martial artist. But I thought what he did was impressive tonight. It was just, you know, when you just had Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje happen before you, and you know people are waiting on Francis Nagano, Alistair Overeem, you get kind of sandwiched in that spot. Um... This was kind of weird. You know, you always talk about building that crescendo. I almost thought, and I had kind of forgotten in my head, to be honest with you, because I think, you know, those were the two fights, Ngannou over him and Alvarez Gaethje were the two fights that everybody was really looking forward to. I kind of in my head had thought it was going to be Taurus Watterson, Cejudo Pettis, 
which granted would have been maybe a little bit slower start to the main card than you would have liked uh, because you'd have two decisions. But I don't know. I felt like you kind of got that up and down start and stop with this. And I, I can imagine, man, if you went from Alvarez Gaethje into Nagano Overham into Holloway Aldo that you would walk out of that building going, oh, my God, or you would turn off the pay-per-view going, oh, my God, this was an amazing pay-per-view. And it was an amazing pay-per-view. But, you know, it's just it's that momentum build. So, anyway, uh, Cejudo Pettis. Yeah, I thought I thought this was an, a very impressive performance by Henry Cejudo. I, I'm incredibly high on Henry Cejudo. Um, you know, I think still a ton of upside in his career. He's going to be around for a while. He's going to be competing uh, at, at a high level and, and going to contend for a title at some point. Uh, this was just not the kind of fight that's going to get it back there, which leads us to say that uh, Dana White did say in the post-fight press conference that uh, the fight that's going to happen for Demetrius Johnson, who was K-Shide, is going to be Demetrius Johnson, TJ Dillashaw. I'm optimistic about that. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, it sounds like the, the way Dana said it was that is going to happen. We haven't announced it yet, but it's going to happen. Uh, you know, I think there's still hurdles to get through from what I understand. Um, and that's fine. You know, they, they, they've got to work out some negotiations. But it does seem to me that at least the UFC is on board with what I'm on board with, which that is the most enticing fight to me right now. No offense to Joseph Benavides, who's, who's, who's a perennial contender. No offense to Henry Cejudo, especially after that performance. Um, you know, Sergio Pettis is, isn't there right now. I mean, there's just there's nobody else right now that I want for Demetrius Johnson. And I am of the opinion that Demetrius can stay at 125 if he wants to. I don't think he has to be forced to go up to 135. So if TJ Dillashaw is willing to get down there and do 125, I like it. I really do like it. Uh it's interesting, you know, Henry Cejudo was asked about it, and he said, you know, what do you think? If that is the fight that happens, and he said, I'm cool with that. You know, I'm okay if that happens, but what do you think happens? And, you know, Cejudo was like, I don't think TJ understands, man. It's a whole different world once you cut that extra 10 pounds. Like, you're, you're going to feel it the next day. Getting down to 125, you're going to feel it the next day. And Demetrius is just such a cardio machine, man. He's going to go 110%. Can you keep up? Um I don't know, man, but that's why I love the fight. That's why it's incredibly intriguing to me, man. I, I, to me, that's the fight to make it. And I, I'm going to wait for a little more form. I'm not saying – listen, I know some people like to, to, to bag on Dana and say that he lies and all this. No, I think in my head, when I hear that, when I think of Dana speak, when I hear him say, this fight is done, that's what we're going to do, that's what I hear. Is it like that is the direction we're moving in, that's what we're going to make happen? Does that mean that it's all locked up? No, because if it was all locked up, there'd be an announcement. It'd be done. Um, so there's, you know, I, I think there's still going to be some hurdles, but I think if, if he's motivated to get the deal done, it's going to get done. And it sounds like he is. So I, I love that fight and, uh, fingers crossed that is indeed what happens next. So if that one wasn't the most exciting fight on the card, if you weren't all that impressed, at least it gave you a second to catch your breath after Eddie Alvarez versus Justin Gaethje. What a freaking fight this was. God, everything that we expect. I mean, Listen, this was kind of one of those ones that you thought was can't miss, right? But you never know. You build stuff up in your head, and you want it to be amazing, and then for whatever reason, it's not. You know, things happen. Um, it seemed like a can't miss fight, but it 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 really did deliver. I thought this this was amazing. I thought Justin Gaethje and Eddie Alvarez both jumped in there and and did everything they said they were going to do. Man, they stood toe to toe. They went at it, no backing down, um, and just. Just put on an old-fashioned scrap, man. Just bloody and, oh. 
That's why we love the sport, right? I mean, it's why we love the sport. I mean, it's two of the toughest dudes you're ever going to see in your life. And, and, and they did the damn thing. Uh, Eddie Alvarez, best performance he's had in the UFC. I mean, I thought he looked absolutely incredible. The, the defensive movement was awesome, man. The the, the 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 body shots that he was ripping off were just nasty. Just clicking on all cylinders, man. I think this is by far, by far the best Eddie Alvarez we've seen. And, and I picked Gaethje going into this fight because, I, to me, it just seemed to me maybe Alvarez's best days are behind him. But he took big shots, man. He showed that the chin is still there, and he moved so good. Uh, he did admit, and, I, and I'm going to have to agree, man, I mean, he knocked he knocked Justin Gaethje out in the third round. So, you know, I guess even if it would have been a five-round fight, he would still pick up the win. But, you know, if he wasn't able to land that big knee, it, dude, if he had to go into four and five with that face that was just uh, swelling bizarrely and with the legs that were just falling apart from those Gaethje kicks, man, he, he was, man, he, he, he was doing what he does. Gaethje was doing what he does. Now, it was interesting, you know, kind of, Working night, Stephen Morocco said, did, "Did you know? Did Gaethje look a little bit flatter, maybe than he normally does? And you know, maybe, maybe like a degree or two, but I didn't think significantly so. I, I, I didn't think that you know Gaethje had an off night. I, I just thought to me, that Alvarez was just clicking, man. I thought he was on, and uh, because of that, I, you know, I, I think it made Gaethje perhaps look a little bit flat." Um, it, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to. It's, it's so much to review in your head, man. It was just so much action, just nonstop. It was just to me, it was everything we had wanted. Um, this this was a big, big fight. Gaethje losing for the first time, you, you knew it was going to come, and, and and this is one going to be one of those ones that you know the guy doesn't get affected by it. I mean, if you've ever heard anything he said, it's it's always look. I know I'm going to lose. Like I'm not trying to walk around like I'm some badass undefeated dude that's never going to lose in his life. Like I know I'm going to lose. And uh, he, was, he said, I know, I know I'm going to get knocked out. And, and he did, man. It was uh, – I, I thought it was a good stoppage by Herb Dean. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. Again, talking internally, like our, our Skype chat with Matt Erickson was like, man, I think I think Herb really dropped the ball there. Um, Herb Dean, you know, kind of allowed him to take too many punches. You know, that was a, that was a one-hitter quitter. You know, that knee obviously had Gaethje out. And, I, you know, I can see where he's coming from. I definitely see where he's coming from because it was pretty obvious that he was done. You know, he was kind of wrestling, but that's that, um, you know, that's just that uh, instinct wrestling. I didn't have a problem with Herb Dean letting him take, you know, a couple more shots there from Eddie Alvarez. I mean, the, the guys had been taking so many blows already, and, yes, he got dropped. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe maybe, uh, maybe I'm wrong there, but I didn't have an issue with it. I, I thought it was okay. Um, not that I ever, you know, want guys to take more brain damage than they need to, but I, I thought the stoppage was okay. But I don't know, man. This this excited me with with Eddie Alvarez because I thought maybe the days of Eddie Alvarez, who I mean, how can he not be a favorite of every fan? The guy goes in there and scraps every single time, and I thought maybe his his best days were behind him. But if he can look like that every time, whatever it was mentally that he did, whatever it was physically that he did to get in. You know, preparation like this, my God, man, I uh, I thought he looked phenomenal, and and this was this was a fun fight. You know, saw people saying this is a a fight of the year. I don't know, I don't know. 
Gaethje Johnson was still pretty sick, too. And then, of course, we haven't even got to the other fight. I, I will say this. Very cool of the UFC to offer uh, two fight of the night bonuses because uh, we'll, we'll certainly talk about uh, Yancey Medeiros and Alex Oliveira in just a moment. But I, I thought it was great to do two fight of the night bonuses. I thought this was definitely the right play. Uh, it, it's a shame because it takes away some performance bonuses that other people might have. Uh, but as as Dana said, for instance, uh, he's definitely giving Francis Nagano some extra money too. They'll find they'll find a way to get him an extra check because the last thing he needs is for Francis Nagano to come knocking his door at <laughs> at the office. Uh, Tisha Torres picked up a unanimous decision win over Michelle Watterson. Kind of the way I thought this fight was going to go. I just had a feeling Tisha Torres' her strength was going to be a little bit too much for Michelle Watterson to deal with, but. I give Michelle Watterson all the credit in the world. Uh, you know, she won that second round. I don't know about that 30-27 score. I thought it was a pretty clear 29-28. Uh, Michelle Watterson showed a, a lot more strength than I thought she had. You know, in my head, I, you know, I, I thought she was a true atom weight and, and Tisha Torres, just the, the strength and power that she brings to the game. Uh, I, I thought it was just going to be too much, and it was at times. You know, once once Tisha got on top uh, and once she got to advantageous positions, she was able to kind of out-muscle Michelle Watterson, but uh, I give Michelle Watterson all the credit in the world. You know, she some of her combinations on the feet were strong, and I thought she showed some excellent skills as well. So, um, you know, I thought this was a, a good fight. Um, uh, uh, you know, you know, not, again, not 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 the barn burner that we had in some other matchups, but I thought it was a good fight. I, th- I thought both girls really showed uh, some some strengths during this fight. But to me, it was a clear 29-28 for Tisha Torres. And listen, she is a uh, she is a problem. Tisha Torres is to to me showed that she's not infallible. I mean, the second round did not look exactly phenomenal, but has shown um, that, that she can be a problem. And, of course, her only loss um, in, is to Rose Namajunas. So there's a little bit of a backstory in there. Uh, I'm not saying that she's necessarily a, a, you know, a rightful title challenger right now, but, dude, she's getting awfully close. All right, before that fun main card, we have some great prelims as well. Paul Felder. The big knockout of Charles Oliveira. Good win here for Paul Felder, man. It really is. Uh, Charles Oliveira is dangerous. I, I, I'm a big Charles Oliveira fan. Um, you know, he's he's had ups and downs, but, dude, when he's executing, he's as dangerous as anybody. And and for Paul Felder to fight the way he did, you know, to, to go down in there and, and be in Charles Oliveira's world on the floor, man, I thought that was spelling trouble. You know, when he willingly went back into the pocket a couple of times and, and, and was willing to go back down and get in the guard, I was like, ugh. This is not a good decision here for Paul Felder, but uh, just a, 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 a gutsy win for him, you know, showing that he's capable on the ground as well, battling out of some difficult positions, and then picking up the second-round knockout with some brutal, brutal elbows. Um, certainly, again, here's another situation, where I guess, if we're talking about judgment. Uh, I, I got no problem with the fact, you know, he said he kind of felt a, a tap on his shoulder, but he wasn't sure what it was. I certainly didn't see the tap the first time around. And then, uh, of course, he came through with those brutal elbows afterwards. Just a, a big, big win for Paul Felder. Um, Charles Oliveira is an interesting cat because he's got a big frame, but I, I feel like, um, you know, when he when, when he goes to the lightweight division, it's not necessarily the best for him, um, but he's a big dude, so... I, I don't know. He, he's he's troubled, man. He's 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 never going to be a UFC champion, but he is problematic for anybody in the division. Um, and he's so tricky on the ground. And I thought Paul Felder um, deserved a hell of a lot of credit for the way he performed in this fight. All right, that leads us to Yancey Materials versus Alex Oliveira. My God. So here, you know, you're talking about Alvarez versus Gaethje's fight of the year. What about Yancey Materials, Alex Oliveira? That's got to be in there somewhere, right? And this 
to me, in some ways, it might have even been more dramatic than Alvarez and Gaethje just because, you know, you had the big knockdowns and you had the huge swings of momentum. I mean, this was, you know, one second one guy's done, the next second another guy is done. Uh, just two warriors, man, two absolute warriors. And uh, love the respect that they have for each other. Lo- you know, love that that uh, Yancey gave Alex the ho- the Hawaiian flag. And they, I mean, just when guys can go out and just throw it out all on the line like that. I mean, that's literally putting it all on the line for our entertainment. And uh, I mean, Yancey Medeiros is as tough as they come. That guy, and 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 he's got his boy Max Holloway pumping him up all the time as well. So much to like about Yancey Medeiros, and he's on a little bit of a roll right now. He's on a little bit of a roll right now. And he probably does deserve some look in the rankings. Meanwhile, Alex Oliveira, that, that guy's going to be around for a long time, too, just putting in awesome fights. So uh, just a great fight here. Really happy, again, that the UFC was able to give two fight of the night bonuses because these two fights in particular definitely deserved it, man. They were really phenomenal. David Tamer picked up the announcers and went over Drakkar close. Uh, weird fight, man, really weird fight. And, you know, the, the commentators are questioning it, and I, I question it, too. Um uh, Herb Dean had kind of a weird night tonight, man. He really did. Uh, and, and, again, that's not to, to hate on Herb, man. He's he's one of the best in the business for a reason. But this was bizarre. I, I thought the whole notion of, of stopping this fight and, and warning David Tamer for inactivity um, and, and timidity, I, I, I didn't really like that. You know, just saying he was taking too many steps back. Dracar Close was, to his, you know, strength, I guess, he was playing it to his advantage. You know, the body language that he threw out there. Um, it was, I think he w- kind of willed that into existence. He sold Herb Dean on the fact that, uh, Tamer needed to kind of fight his fight. And I think, Hey, if you could pull it off, pull it off. It's, it's your, str- you know, your strategic advantage, I suppose. But I thought that was really, really unnecessary. Um, and, and then I thought Jakar Close, uh, you know, hopefully this is a, a lesson because the guy's, the guy's talented, no doubt about it. You know, uh, you know, we'd met him before he made it to the UFC and I know John Crouch was high on him from the MMA lab. He's, He's got some upside, but this was a um, this is a weird fight, and you know even once the fight kind of started getting a little more rhythm to it, and the, the low kicks were landing for for, for David Tamer, and then Close would just kind of look at him and and uh, looked like he was frustrated almost that he was getting kicked in the leg and acting like it was it wasn't a real striker. That was just bizarre, man. To me, I found it really, really, really bizarre. Uh, and uh, David Tamer's dangerous, man. That dude can strike, and uh, especially man the way. He got taken down and how quickly he would get back to his feet. You know, when you got a guy that can bang like that and then can also get back to his feet with, with such relative ease, that's 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 somebody to watch out for. So if he hasn't been on your radar, uh, he should be. And I think Close will come back. I think he'll still have uh, some good performances ahead. Felice Harry picked out the split decision win over Courtney Casey. Um, I had this fight scored for Felice Harry because I didn't have a problem with it. It was a weird... It was a weird fight. You know, I was doing play-by-play tonight, even though I was watching from home. We had to just kind of the way we were staffed a little bit tonight. We were doing things a little bit different. Normally, it's whoever's sitting cage side. Uh, but I ended up doing play-by-play. And it was funny because in my play-by-play, I remember specifically typing, like, you know, the pattern for this fight has been set. And then right after that, you know, you hear the, the, the broadcast and, and Joe Rogan was saying the same thing. Like, it's really weird how they're just doing the same thing over and over. They're really settling into this pattern. Uh, I'm a huge Courtney Casey fan. You know, she, she she made her way through the amateurs here at Tough Enough in Las Vegas. Uh, so because of that, you know, it's, it's been a pleasure for me to, to to watch her make her way through the ranks. So she's always fighting the toughest names available. But, uh, you know, this was not her best night by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I, you know, I thought she just, just had some problems, just some rhythm issues, some timing issues. 
Uh, I didn't think this was her best night. And uh, Felice Herrick, I mean, how crazy is it that, that they just started flipping each other off at the end and <laughs> just going, going full Diaz, brother. But it was weird. Like, even after they did that, they kind of settled back into the same thing. So uh, just a, a, a weird fight overall. But, listen, Felice Herrick, she's on a win streak now. That's four fights in a row. Four fights in a row. Uh, she's 3-0 in, in 2017. So, listen, she's probably got a big fight coming up next. And, uh, you know, I think Courtney Casey will be back too. I think she'll, she'll continue to have better nights. She's had some inconsistent results. But, man, you look at who she's fought in her career. Felice Harris, Jessica Aguilar, Claudia Gadella, Randa Marcos. I mean, Zoe Ham, Calderwood, Pearl Gonzalez. I mean, she's fought some tough people. Um, so, I, I think she'll be back. This was just a, a rough night. Uh, the early prelims, Amanda Cooper did pick up the TKO win over Angela Magania. One-sided domination, no question about it. Angela Magania getting getting booed uh, maliciously start to finish through the whole thing. And I and I understand why she's such a controversial figure. There's no question. She deserves that to a degree. But uh, just she did show her toughness, I'll say that. And, and it is amazing to me, man, the whole story about her, you know, living through this hurricane stuff in, in Puerto Rico. I mean, that's... That's crazy. That's crazy to have to to get ready for a fight and all that. So, uh, I thought she deserves some you know some respect for her toughness. I'm not gonna go to bat for Angela Magania by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I think she's definitely got to be. Uh, th that's got to be her her walking papers at this point. Um, but anyway, I did think she did show some toughness. Abdul Razak Al Hassan versus Saba Homasi. Talk about Herb Dean having the rough night. I mean, this was the one, right? Uh, Abdul Razak Hassan, so tough, man. That dude is such so so dangerous. Masab Hamasi was fighting great. I mean, this was this was shaping up to be something pretty special as well for an early fight. And Razak Hassan kind of lands a shot, but not necessarily a clean shot. But Hamasi collapses basically. And what what I think it was was not only the way he fell but I mean you go back and you watch like the position of his legs. I mean, he sprawled out looking like a deer on ice. Uh, you know, just it's just weird, you know what I mean? And and I think it was definitely a mistake and I don't know if it was the angle or or what it was, but I mean, I I get where Dean was coming from. And you see that a lot where you, you know, you, you see somebody that looks like they're dropped but they kind of just get hit as they're changing levels and I, I want to think that maybe he was trying to change levels a little bit but he did fall in a weird way and again to me it was the angle of his legs they were all just kind of sprawled out in different directions so I, I get it but uh, it sounds like the UFC from according to Dana White UFC is, is rebooking this fight they're going to set it up on December 30th for UFC 219 right call right I mean if they're both healthy um, I mean it is weird right because we're, we're we're talking about that um short turnaround for guys that, 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 that were getting hit, right? I mean, that's what everybody was up in arms about with Michael Bisping. Uh, he didn't get knocked out, but he got dropped. I mean, I guess here nobody technically got dropped, but they were banging and uh, and hitting each other a little bit. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I, I like the fact that the fight's being rebooked. I, I don't know. It just it struck me as a little bit odd. Like, here's two dudes. They only banged it out for four and a half minutes, but they were definitely banging it out. And the right thing to do is rebook it. But is the right thing to do to rebook it in four weeks? Or maybe we couldn't wait like six weeks or eight weeks. I don't know. Uh, but if they say they're good to go, they're good to go. Dominic Reyes, how good does this kid look? Uh, Dominic Reyes looks like the real deal. I'm a fan of this guy. Somebody to put on your radar as well. Uh, didn't get the big knockout this time around. Got the submission, but I thought it looked good. Uh, he was happy having a full camp. He said he got to you know show some different things about his game. Uh, he looks like somebody to watch in the 205-pound division. And then Justin Willis, what a character he is. 
did pick up the knockout over Alan Crowder. Justin, big pretty. Willis uh, cuts down to 265, so we'll see, you know, how long that lasts. It's, it's kind of funny because he started out the night in great fashion, and he's like, line up the heavyweight division, man. Line them up, and I'll take them out one by one. And then, not that he's talking about Francis Nagano because he's got a long way to go before he's even worrying about that, but I was like, maybe not. Maybe not that part of the heavyweight division just yet, uh, you know, because, you know, again, don't judge a book by its cover, especially coming from, from me. I'm not the one walking around with a great physique. But Willis looks like a guy that might get tested against a superior athlete. So we'll see. But still, fun card overall. And listen, it wasn't the only card of the weekend. We had two great cards in the span of 48 hours. I guess 24 hours if you do the 26. Anyway, you know what I mean. Over two days, we had two great cards. I know this UFC 218 is going to be the one that steals all the headlines, and rightfully so. Max Holloway, amazing champion. Francis Ngannou, man, cannot wait for that fight with Steve Miocic. Eddie Alvarez back in rare form. Yancey Medeiros and Alex Oliveira going. I mean, this is the one that's going to steal the headlines. But it's not the only thing we're talking about. Friday night, it was the Ultimate Fighter 26 finale at the Park Theater in Las Vegas. Not a lot of media there. <laughs> Not a lot of media there, but myself and Cole Coffee were covering it. Uh, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great card. If you didn't catch it, it's definitely worth trying to catch up to some of these fights. Um, first of all, let me just say it was at the Park Theater in Las Vegas. The Park Theater is in the Monte Carlo. The Monte Carlo is being renamed the Park MGM, so that's kind of where... These names are coming from the Park Theater. There's the area outside of T-Mobile Arena is uh, is called the Park. Uh, so that's kind of where this whole thing is. I got to say, as, as a Las Vegas local, the Monte Carlo, for a decade, has been a useless property, man. It was just there was, there was just no great appeal. It didn't have great restaurants. It didn't have anything special, unique about the way it looked. Um, it w- I mean, it wasn't a terrible location. It wasn't a great location. Now that it's right across from T-Mobile Arena, and now that it's got the Park Theater inside of it, which is a relatively new venue... Man, for if you're coming down for something entertainment-wise, it's a, it's a great place to stay. And, and again, it's being renamed the Park MGM. So if you're thinking about planning a trip to Las Vegas and you see that name come online in the next year or so, when it, once it gets done, that's what it is. That's that's how you know exactly where it's at. So um, the Park Theater is cool, small venue, not a bad seat in the house. I like it a lot better than like the the Pearl at the Palms, where a lot of these Ultimate Fighter finales have been. I definitely like it more than the Hard Rock. Um, the joint at the Hard Rock, I just, I, I never really liked the setup there. The sight lines are kind of weird, um, and there were, you know, some cards there. This this Park Theater is really, really nice. Um, definitely, if they're ever doing a show and you want to see like one of one of these small shows, more intimate shows, it's a cool venue. Nico Montano picked up uh, the Ultimate Fighter 26 crown and the inaugural USC Women's Flyweight Champion with a uh, clear-cut decision win over. Roxanne Motoferi. By now, you know how this thing all came together. Crazy night. You know, it was supposed to be Sajari Eubanks. Uh, Sajari Eubanks never even got a chance to get on the scale because she was ruled medically ineligible. Roxanne Motoferi is picked up. You know, on, on 24 hours notice, she was supposed to fight Bob Honchek. She's elevated to the main event. Crazy. You know all that by now. I got to say, um, I I thought this was a fun fight. I, I thought it was a fun fight. I know everybody was... You know, Nico Montano, listen, she's got a target on her back. There's no question about it. She's four and two. She's four and two. She has a target on her back. Everybody in the division is going to want to fight her. There's no question about it. And I, you know, I see people saying, well, you know, I mean, if, if Shevchenko comes down, she'll destroy her. And you know what? She probably will. There's no question about that. Uh, that would be a tough matchup this early in her career. But we'll see. You know, we haven't heard that commitment for sure. 
I'm sure we're going to start hearing about him real soon. But i got to say, Nico Montano, I'm impressed with her. I mean, her run to the title is not bad. You beat Roxanne Motiferi, yes, on short notice. Yes, she was only getting ready for a three-round fight, but you beat Motiferi. You beat Barb Honcheck. You beat Montana Stewart. You beat Lauren Murphy, who's who is a, a USC veteran. I mean, those are not scrubs. Those are not scrubs. Uh, you know, is it the top people at 115 or 135 who, who we think are going to be, you know, making up that division? No, it's not. But it's not scrubs. So I thought it was pretty interesting. I uh, I think there's some upside to her, but you know, I think I think pretty much going in, we thought that whoever won the fight probably isn't going to be the long-term title holder. You know, obviously you can see how it started with, with Carla Sparza. Uh, I'm not saying that Nico's going to be one and done. I think she's definitely got something about her. Um, she's, she's a talented fighter. She showed a lot of grit and toughness. Um, but it's going to be a hard road for her. But I, I thought this fight was fun. I thought Roxanne Motiferi, I got to say, you know, Roxanne, if her, her reputation I think is pretty well known, but she's literally one of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet on, on earth. You know, she'll admit I'm not a great athlete. Like, I just work my ass off to be good at this because I love it, you know. She's a pioneer of the sport. She's been doing it forever. And I thought it was cool for her to get this opportunity. And, and in a way, maybe I think I was pulling for her, you know, just to, to see that moment. You know, not that she would have, uh, you know, a, a great chance against a Valentina Shevchenko either, you know what I mean? But just the story that and what she's gone through and what she's been through, um, and the effort that she's put in, I mean, how amazing would that be for her to be a UFC champion? And, and I got to say, when she got that arm bar in the fifth round, I thought, oh, my God, she is going to do this. Like, this is going to be the most insane come-from-behind finish ever. And then it, and then, and then the, the, the hold broke, and uh, she ended up losing a decision. But uh, good sport, man. I was happy for her that she went in there. Again, Dana White actually gave her a lot of love as well, so. She's just one of the hardest-working, nicest people you'll ever meet in your life. So uh, I thought it was cool that she at least got that opportunity. Sugar Sean O'Malley picked up the unanimous decision win over Terry and Ware. Um, I think Sean O'Malley is the real deal, and I love this fight. And I, and I said it going in, and I don't know if people listen to me or believe me or not, but I, I said, listen, Terry and Ware is tougher than you think. Terry and Ware is a tough individual with a chin, and he will be there, and he will be in your face. And damn it, if you want, he pushed Sean O'Malley. And I, but I, But I like this. I thought this was perfect matchmaking. I thought Sean O'Malley responded perfectly to it. Sean is the real deal, man. He is fun to watch fight. The dude is so creative, so quick. His, his striking um, is so precise but so creative. I mean, I don't think this is a hype job. This is not, you know, the the UFC backing somebody just because, you know, he's their marketing guy. I mean, this dude can fight. And it was interesting because, you know, he, he started to tire out a little bit. He started to get hurt a little bit. Terry and Ware was pushing him. And Terry and Ware um, tested Sean O'Malley, but Sean O'Malley responded to it. He got this second win and I think dug deep a little bit and found something within himself and, and proved something to the world. So, um, man, I, I thought this was a uh, a fantastic night for, for Sean O'Malley. And I think this kid, if he if he's not on your radar, he needs to be on your radar. Uh, Laura Murphy picked up a split decision win over Barb Honchek. Close, 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 close fight. Um, so, again, it's been kind of weird the last couple days. With our team split and with uh, with a couple people having some vacation days and some other stuff that needed to be done, we were we were kind of short the way we normally handle things. So even though I was cage side, I was not doing play-by-play last night. I was recapping. And when I do 
play-by-play, um, -play, that's when I scored the rounds. And so here I wasn't really scoring as precisely. So I got to say, I, I don't have a score in this one. I thought it could go either way. Um, but I, I thought this was a cool moment for Lauren Murphy because um, for her to go through what she went through on the Ultimate Fighter and then to come in this week and not have a fight, to basically be asked to cut weight and not have any guarantee of a fight, that is not easy. I mean, every fighter will tell you making weight is the worst part of the job, right? And so for her to say, man, I got to come in here and I got to make weight and I don't even know if I'm going to get a fight out of it. And for her to do it and then get a fight with a name like Barb Honchek, um, I was happy for her. You know, I know that this meant a lot for her. Uh, I did think it got kind of ruined by <laughs> by DC calling calling her Barb afterwards, which was great because that's what Eddie Alvarez did. Which somebody told me that Eddie Alvarez tweeted, uh, "Congrats, Barb" or something like that, which I think is phenomenal. Somebody else hit me up when the when the when the matchup was made with Lauren and Barb. Uh, they said, you know, will Eddie be able to tell them apart? I thought that was so funny. Uh, and then Cole Coffee actually in Lauren's post fight scrum uh, actually jokingly called her Barb just to get a reaction out of her, and she. Uh, I think she was about to hit him. So <laughs> that was a good night. Um, Barb Honchek looked sharp. I think I think Barb looked better than she did on the show. Um, so it's tough for her to lose this fight. I, I thought she looked really, really good. And um, she's not young by any stretch of the imagination, but I think she's still got some fight left in her. And I think I think the UFC will definitely keep her. I mean, you know, for for, for one thing, she's you know basically women's MMA royalty. I mean, she was a former Invicta champion. Uh, had a lot of big wins there. Uh, like I said, she is 38 years old, um, so you know, not a not a spring chicken by any stretch of the imagination, but she could fight, um, and I think they end up keeping her around. Uh, Gerald Mearshart picked up a, a TKO win over Eric Spicely. Fun fight here, man. If you didn't catch this one, Gerald Mearshart was in a lot of trouble early. I, I had picked Eric Spicely in this fight just because he, man, he finds a way to win. The guy, he's one of those guys too. You know, it's, it's not like he goes in there and looks like a Francis Ngannou, you know, on the poster, but he finds a way to win, and he, and he got to the back and, and was working on a choke in the, in the first round, just couldn't quite pull it off, and then uh, Mearshart hit, hit him with the uh, the big liver kick in the second round, just folded Eric Spicey. I mean, just the, the liver shot finish, the sound that it made in that building. You know, it's the, it's the small cage uh, in the in the small building. Which, by the way, good fights in a small cage. Coincidence? Uh, I don't know. Uh, so good, 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 uh, good, good finish there. Uh, I always like to see the big liver kick shots. Crazy how the, what that does to the human body. Odd fight of the night for me: Deanna Bennett versus Melinda Fabian. I thought this was a clear Melinda Fabian win. And you know, Deanna Bennett was struck. She was grinding, man. I'll give her credit for effort. She never quit. But you know, certainly the crowd didn't like it. I mean, it was just. Takedown attempt after takedown attempt after takedown attempt that just never came. And I, I, I don't know. I, I I thought Melinda Fabian did enough. I thought that, you know, her striking, anytime she, for, I mean, first of all, she never got taken down. So, yes, I know you're going for a takedown the whole time. I mean, that's that's great. You're, you're going for a takedown. So that's offense. But if you never, ever get a takedown, I don't understand how you, how you finish. So, Crazy fight from start to finish. I mean, it starts out as um, you know a near knockout at the end of the first round. It's at the, it's at the very end of the round, so it's one of those things where you know the the the, the that, that that Michael Bisping effect, right? Like, is the round done? Is it not done? And I think Fabian th thought she had a walk away, uh, you know, a, a walk off finish, and that cost her um, because she didn't jump on top of Deanna Bennett. But to me, that's probably a 10-8 round, 
right? I mean, it's, it's it's a near finish. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. But uh, you know, I I would I would maybe go ten eight, ten nine at, at worst, of course. Um, but then the rest of it, I I just don't understand. I mean, Deanna Bennett was was definitely pushing forward and and definitely you know shooting inside, but not getting any any effective offense to me. So I don't understand how she ended up getting awarded those rounds. Um, there was a uh, a penalty for a cage grab, probably justified to be honest with you. It was Big John McCarthy, you know, obviously one of the best in the business. The guy's been doing it forever. Took a took a point, uh, and I thought it was a little bit aggressive with the deduction, but it was a pretty egregious cage grab. Like it it was, you know, grabbing full hold of the fence and keeping you from going to the ground. So justified, maybe aggressive, but justified. So, um, but I don't know. I just I, I wasn't a big fan of this result. I I thought I thought the scoring was was pretty awful to be honest with you tell you what i was a fan of though brett johns oh my gosh how about this finish over joe soto 30 seconds to get a submission win via calf slicer just beautiful man just absolutely beautiful brett johns the the welsh fighter now 15 and 0 i mean joe soto's a tough guy man you know i, I thought brett i'd pick brett going in this fight i thought he would be able to get the job done but um you know i knew this was a, a tough fight with joe soto and and, and joe soto shot in and you can see Brett setting up the calf slicer even as he's defending the takedown before he goes to the ground. Beautiful all the way around, man. This guy is, is one to watch for sure. Montana De La Rosa picking up her win over Christina Marks. Montana De La Rosa's got still skill. Got skills. Excuse me. It's this uh this ballast point frosty beverage. This barmy. Twelve percent, son. It'll catch up to you. Montana De La Rosa. Uh did was known as Montana Stewart until this week. Montana De La Rosa now. Beautiful armbar finish here. Uh, she called it a flying armbar. It was a flying setup basically, but I thought it was more jumping, pulling in the guard, and then setting up the armbar. So I didn't give her quite the flying armbar finish, but it was impressive nonetheless. Man, her technique and her tenacity, her submission, her submission game uh, is great. Ryan James picking up the TKO win over Andrew Sanchez. How about this fight, huh? Good Lord, one of the greatest comebacks you'll ever see. Uh, Andrew Sanchez was just destroying Ryan James. Uh, I thought the fight could have very easily been stopped in the first round. I would have never said anything about it. Um, but Ryan James showed just incredible heart and tenacity, um, fought back, and eventually Andrew Sanchez uh, basically punched himself out. That's what it boiled down to. He punched himself out, and uh, Ryan James took advantage of it. TKO win in the third round. This was definitely if you if you didn't get a chance to watch it, uh, this was one that was it's worth watching. It's worth it, it'll be on Fight Pass, I'm sure, very soon. You can check it out, or maybe you can catch a replay on FS1. Uh, definitely good. Rachel Ostovich picked up the submission win over Karine Gavorgian. Uh, Karine was just outmatched on the ground. You know, of course, you know we, the travel issues that she had, the weight issues that she had. I mean, this was just a bad situation for her all the way around. And Rachel Ostovich. Uh, took advantage of it. Shauna Dobson picked up a TKO win over Ariel Beck. This was a fun fight as well. Uh, two girls going at it, striking. Uh, Ariel Beck uh, boxing looks good, but Shanna Dobson uh, just landed a couple of huge right hands, and uh, that that did the trick, man. She, it took her a little while to settle into her groove, uh, but she is definitely dangerous. And then the fourth grade teacher, fantastic. Her quote afterwards, you know, she, what do you have to say to the kids? It's like, hey, you better not act up. You see what happens. So great stuff there. And, of course, the night started out with Jillian Robertson picking up a first-round submission win over Emily Whitmire. Jillian Robertson, uh, very young in her career. Uh, it was tough to see for Emily Whitmire. She trains at Extreme Couture, uh, where my son uh, trains as well, so I know how hard she works. And 
I'll tell you what about this tough finale. You know a lot of these girls, you know, when, when it's when there's that many from a single cast on there, like, you know a lot of these, like, it's one and done. You don't get that win. You're probably not getting invited back. I mean, usually UFC fighters get a two-fight deal, but, you know, when you're coming off the Ultimate Fighter and, and there's, there's you know, 12 of you or 14 of you on a card and you don't win, I mean, it was it was hard to see the people that lost. You could see the pain in their eyes, man, and, and especially, again, here we are in this small venue everything's very close, very tight, man, you could see the pain and the emotion uh, of, of those that lost because you could tell, man, like their UFC dream, that they know that was probably it. That was probably it. And that is a, a, a tough, tough realization. So uh, it was a fun night. A lot of fights in the course of two nights. Not going to lie. I'm looking forward to a, a day off to kind of recharge after two long days of work. But uh, incredible stuff there. I thought good fights all around. So if, hopefully if you missed some of those fights, we gave you some ones you can go key in on to go check out. And if you watched them all like I did, God bless you. You are hardcore, and, and that's what I love. So anyway, listen, sorry my man Cole Coffee couldn't be with me, but uh, I just had to get in here and talk some MMA. I will be in Fresno next week for that fight card. We'll, uh, we'll have some full coverage out there. Imagine we won't have a lot of media out there if I'm just guessing right. So we'll be bringing you some exclusive insights from out there in world-famous Fresno, California. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, that main event is going to be awesome, man. Cub Swanson versus Brian Ortega is a great fight. Jason Knight is on the card. You know we like Jason Knight facing a tough guy in Gabriel Benitez. And then, you know, Marlon Marias versus Aljamain Sterling is on there. That's a great one. So, anyway, listen, we'll, we'll get to that next week. Right now, soak it all in. This was a great weekend, and uh, I appreciate you enjoying it with me. Thanks for listening.